there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of Israel. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. The word of the Lord. Well, Christmas is here. Thanksgiving is out. Does anyone even remember Thanksgiving? I hope I did hope you had a great turkey day and enjoyed that. But I don't know about you, but it's like we hit the hit the turn there with Thanksgiving and it's full rush uh, to Christmas. I actually was out feverishly working on my lights yesterday. I had lights on the bushes. I turned on the lights, which apparently is a faux pas. Not supposed to turn on your lights till December 1. It's like you're sticking it to everyone else. So my, my house might be egged when I come uh, home to see it. But uh, we are anxious for Christmas to get started. As a pastor, we enjoy the season so much. You know, there's a lot of things to enjoy about Christmas. And I think one of the great things to enjoy about Christmas is movies. Right? These Christmas movies that you, you kind of dig them out or, or they show them the Christmas specials. And so I, I just want to take a short survey to try to figure out your favorite Christmas movie or TV special or whatever. Many of you know this one, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. You like that one? Yes. That's a great one, the tree, fantastic. That looks like my tree, by the way. Love it. How about this one right here? Yeah! <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Who, who, who wouldn't want George Bailey uh, as your husband? Unless you're a man, that's a little weird. <laughs> Miracle on... 34th Street. Yep. So beautiful, so shiny, I've never seen it. Isn't that kind of strange? How about Macaulay yes. Culkin, huh? No, 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 no. There's cheesy in Christmas, too, isn't there? Jingle All the Ways, with, All the Way with Schwarzenegger. Wow, somebody get rid of that film. 
Oh, and I missed my favorite uh, picture. Oh, I had a picture of the abominable snowman with that uh, wonderful thing. One more? Oh, well, it disappeared. Sorry, I would have voted for that one myself. You know, these slides, it's fun to watch these things, isn't it? I think what it is, is about Christmas is there's a, there's a different scent in the air. Something special about Christmas is different than all of the holidays. Okay, I better put that off. That's how you feel when I start talking, right? There's a different scent. You know, it's different than other holidays. It's, there's, there's almost like a magical element of it, right? And, and we, we feel it, we sense it. People can be nicer with one another. You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, the world tries to commercialize it, but there's something that you can't quite get a hold of. And as I've thought about this, I think this is what's special about Christmas. I think first in it we see a hope that there's something that transcends the world that we live in. There's a way somehow that life could be different, that there's something better out there. You know, it's the nutcracker when the sugar plum fairies come awake at night and you see the magic. So the North Pole Express, this train that comes along and takes you to a different place. It's even George Bailey realizing that he had a wonderful life after all. We hope that something transcends the ordinary, and we hope that love triumphs over hate. Who can't have their heart warmed by the Grinch whose heart was two sizes too small? And because of a little girl, learns to love. Even Macaulay Culkin, working with an old man who was estranged from his children to be with them. And Charlie Brown, teaching us what Christmas is all about. Our hope in Christmas is this, that in the midst of the ordinary, that there's something extraordinary that could touch us in the deepest longings of our heart. Well, something seems to be happening with Christmas that I'm concerned about. Christmas seems to be dying. I don't know if you've tracked a little bit of this Black Friday. I heard this story in Tazewell, Virginia. A dispute in a Virginia parking lot crowded with holiday shoppers turned violent with one throwing a punch and another responding by cutting him with a knife and brandishing a rifle. All because a car wouldn't move in the Walmart and the other person got upset. I'd love to say this is an isolated incident, but if you've been reading, uh, watching TV, and so forth, there's a lot of these cases around. You're wondering, what's going on? So we have issues like that. We have other issues where Christ is being removed from Christmas. Western Piedmont Community College told students that they could not use the word Christmas to promote a Christmas tree sale. The city of Santa Monica, California, has banned nativity scenes in Palisades Park one North Carolina school even refused to allow a first grader to recite a Christmas poem because it mentioned the word God. <coughs> less and less, Christmas is looking less like Christian Christmas and more like everything else. And it seems that this God, this hope, is fading. That it's a fairy tale. And we're left with some sense of sadness. I hoped that there might be something better for this world. I hope this world could change. Indeed, I hope that there was something that could change me. You know, if you give, you hope long enough and it's not realized, at some point you start to give up hope. And so for some of you right now, you behold the Christmas story, not as a participant, but as a spectator, viewing it almost from afar. You know, this guy, Zachariah, was the same way. He was a religious man, to be sure, and he was preserving and doing the customs of his people. But he was a spectator. 
not a participant, for God had not showed up for 400 years. And as he went about his motions, something happened. Heaven invaded earth. The extraordinary invaded the ordinary, and God became a baby. And as Zechariah encountered this, encountered this angel, he was never to be the same. You know, this, God's plan for Zechariah is the same for us. The Christ whom we worship is a living God. If you go to the tombs of all the other major prophets, you'll find them. If you go to Christ's tomb, there's nobody in it. And so this thing, this advent that has begun, that moved Zechariah's life, is not only for Zechariah, but for us. For God seeks this Christmas season to enter into your life, enter into your disbelief, to show you that the promises that you might have for this world can be fulfilled in Him. Christ looks to lead each one of you and myself into an encounter with God. And so we make a, must make a decision whether to examine, appropriate, and respond. Because if you do, your life will never be the same. The Jesus who was back then and out there is the Jesus who is right now in here. Jesus is not only the hope of the world, he's the hope of your world. So look to Jesus. He's your greatest hope revealed and your promises fulfilled. Well, let's look at this guy, Zachariah. Let's see if we can glean anything from his life. Number one, we're going to look and listen to this message that was given to him. We're going to hear the message. Then we're going to look at point two, Zachariah's daring to believe. And then finally, this concept of pondering the promises of God. So my main points, hear the message, dare to believe, ponder his promises. Well, let's go ahead and begin. Zechariah, the man who lost hope, serving in a country that had lost hope. Zechariah was a priest, so his job was to prepare sacrifices, to handle uh, burning incense, taking confession. In many ways, he was like a pastor. But Zechariah was a pretty special guy because he married Elizabeth, who was daughter of Aaron. So he was not only a pastor, but he married the daughter of a preacher. Okay, so that's like, big deal. Religious family. But the thing about these guys is they were the real deal. We see here in the scripture that their lives were devoted to the service of God in his profession. Indeed, they were upright in the sight of the Lord. Doesn't mean they were perfect. What that means is they relied on God's law. Indeed, even confession to confess their sins and try to live uprightly before God. And so the time came for Zechariah to come to the temple to worship, to fulfill his duties. See, the temple was the intersection of heaven and earth, the place where God said he would dwell. And so the priests were sent to minister in the temple, to upkeep it, so to speak. And in the temple, if you'll remember, there was the special room, the Holy of Holies, where God was to dwell. And to burn the incense was to, able to come into the holy room as close as you can on the other side to the Holy Holies and burn incense. And lo and behold, the time came for Zechariah. But you see, here's the problem. For 420 years, they had not heard from God. From the last prophecy in Malachi, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and awesome day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of 
children to their fathers. For unto us a child will be born, and a son given, and the government will be on his shoulders. All of these promises, that's what was left for the people of Israel. And then there was a stunning, deafening silence. And so Zechariah and the priests continued. Zechariah was given a great honor. He was chosen by Lot to go ahead and burn incense in the temple. See, this was one thing that you would maybe have the opportunity to do as a priest. Maybe never. It was by Lot. And so Zechariah, this old man, his Lot finally came up. That he would have this honor of going into the temple. And he would burn this incense. And this incense was supposed to represent the prayers of the people. It was confession. It was a request for atonement. They believed that an angel would come along and take these prayers and the incense and lift them up to heaven. And so Zechariah was priest 312,000 over those 420 years, day after day, performed this. But something happened different for Zechariah, right? See, the angel of the Lord, then an angel, verse 11, appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. The angel, this word angel in Hebrew, malach, means messenger. And so here's what happened. Zechariah is sending a message up through the angel, and the angel sends a message back. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. What was Zechariah praying for? He was not praying for a son. He was well past that. Those prayers had run out some time ago. But he was praying for Israel, representing them, praying for the sin of his people, praying for atonement, praying for the world that we always wanted. And lo and behold, the message comes back. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. The message has finally come back. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. And he will be a joy and delight, and many will rejoice in his birth. He will come to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, how did Zechariah respond when he heard this message? See, he was stunned, wasn't he? A man who devoted his entire life to the Old Testament. He would know the ramifications of what this angel had just said. He would know Malachi, that one was coming, who would prepare the way of the Lord, that the Messiah, the one long awaited for, would come. He even knew the power of God. Abraham and Sarah, you think he ever know, know, knew that message? An old couple who was given the ability to uh, conceive a child. You know, when God wants to do something, he doesn't send an army. He sends an angel. And so the message came to Zechariah. But Zechariah knew the circumstances. We're under this Roman Empire for 100 years. You haven't spoken for 420. I'm priest number 312,000, and I'm an old man. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The Greek here literally means proven. The angel brings the message back, the very one that he sent asking, and he says, and what does the angel Gabriel say? And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Isn't it ironic that a country that was waiting for 420 years for a message from God would need to wait a little bit longer? 
because the first person to hear it didn't believe. See, Zechariah encountered God. And when you encounter God, your life must change. But we do the same thing, don't we? It's easy to look down on Zechariah. He was right there. But we do the same thing. I wonder if Zechariah ever said, Can I imagine that? Maybe that didn't happen. Do we not say the same thing? At some point, all of us have gone through a time in our life of great difficulty and despair. Maybe pain from some emotional breakup, a divorce, an estranged child, a breakup. And we went to the altar of incense and we offered up the prayers for ourselves. But no answer came back. And so we went again, day one, and day two, and day three. But no message came back. And at some point, we stopped hoping. We stopped watching. We doubted the character of God. We didn't believe His promises that He would come through. You know, there's something worse than despair, and that's resignation. See, despair is when you have hope and it's not being fulfilled, but resignation is when you've lost hope at all. But God showed up, and the world would never be the same. One of my favorite, I don't know if you see, remember the first movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? Something, something, thank you very much, Harry Potter geniuses. The Sorcerer's Stone, remember you got this little guy, Harry Potter, okay, he turns 11, he's living underneath the cover with these people, the Dursleys, the scourge of the earth, Vernon and Petunia. He doesn't realize that he's a wizard. Well, at 11, you know, at the age of 11, a letter comes through the door, an owl drops it. To say, hey, you're, it's year 11, you've been accepted to the school of Hogwarts. Here's what you need to bring, blah, blah, blah. Well, he doesn't even get to read the letter because Vernon gets it and tears it up. That's the end of that. But lo and behold, the next day, five letters come in. Vernon is perturbed. He doesn't want Harry Potter to hear of this message. And so he, he uh, literally takes a board and he blocks off the letter carrier. But each day, more owls come and more messages, until finally, messages start pouring in, letters through the chimney, letters it actually knocks over the door. The message cannot be stopped. And Harry Potter hears the call, the summons of where he is to go. You know, you can try to deny the message of Christ. You can try to obstruct it. You can try otherwise to believe. We live in a world that's trying to tamp down the message, but they cannot stop it. God has come, and the prayers of the people have been answered. For I will send to you a Savior. And so I ask you today, have you received the message? Have you opened the letter that God has given for you? Maybe you're denying it. This whole Christmas thing is hocus-pocus. You know, I'm going to enjoy this part of it, but then I'm going to let it go. Maybe you're obstructing it. I don't want to change. I want to live the way I want to live. I don't want, my life is going great. Or maybe you have the ability, the willingness, and the guts to believe it. See, we live on the other side of Zechariah. We know this God who has come. We know that a child was born, a son was given, his name Jesus. And he declared the love of God, that he came not to condemn the world, but to save it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We saw Jesus Christ demonstrate his love by dying on a cross, and we saw him demonstrate his power by rising from the dead, appearing to over 500 people and birthing the church, the very place where you're standing right now. See, we don't need to guess what God thinks of us. We know it. We've seen it, and it has been written down. And so my challenge for you is to receive the message. He sent it to you. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of, heir of all things. So look for answers. Dare to believe. What's stopping you? Is it the past? Is it the present? Is it the future? See, to embrace the message of Christ, we must cast out the past, all those unread messages. We must dare to believe the present, that God is alive in Christ and He has a message for you. And we must be willing to stride into the unknown future. Because Jesus is not only the hope of the world, He's the hope of your world. So you must look to Jesus because He is your greatest hope revealed and your promises fulfilled. Well, this brings me to my second point. Zachariah's doubts. He heard the message, but there were doubts. You know, as I thought about it, what is it exactly that made Zachariah doubt? I'm not sure that Zachariah doubted the promises that they were true. I think he doubted that they were for him. The promises were not only true, but they were true for you. See, Zechariah knew at some point, theoretically, that the Messiah would come back. But he didn't know when, and he didn't know how. And so the angel tells him he is coming, and guess what? The messenger who will prepare the way for him is your son. He will be the witness. He will be the one in the power of Elijah. Indeed, Jesus would call him the greatest prophet of all. Tell me, what do you think that meant to a man like Zechariah? who had given his whole world, whole life to the study, and priest, being a priest before God, that his son would be the greatest prophet. What did it mean to him that the shame that he and Elizabeth had had all of their life because they didn't have children would be removed? It was viewed as a curse not to have children. And yet God was tantalizing him with these unbelievable promises. And so Zachariah said, why me? And God said, why not? You see, the gift of Zechariah is not because of the godliness of Zechariah, but because of the graciousness of God. Indeed, the name John means God is gracious. See, it's an unmerited promise. Zechariah understood law, but he didn't understand grace. Do you understand grace? It's called good news. It's not good advice. I didn't come here to give you advice. I came to give you the good news of what has happened. That Christ has reconciled sinners to himself. I came to tell you that Christianity is not a reward you receive later. It's not a status you receive later. It's a status you receive now. It's a reward you receive later because of your status. Because you can become a son or daughter right now in Christ. It's not based on how much work I do, it's based on how much work he's done. It's not even based on my love for him, it's based on his love for me. And so as Zechariah heard all these things, unbelief crept into his heart and he couldn't help it, he blurted out, prove it. 
You know, what about us? It's easy to disbelieve grace, isn't it? It's too, it's too big. It's too scandalous. It's not the way the world works. The world works by law. You get what you get because of what you deserve. It's the way it works. It's the law of uh, Darwin. Survival of the fittest. Thank you. I'm going to start losing my mind here. That's embarrassing. You see, we think that there's no way that someone could love me because you and I know our deepest sins, don't we? You know, when no one else is there and you look in the mirror and you see your thoughts and your past and you realize, I don't have the ability to make this path chasm between God and myself. But God is greater than our doubt and his love is greater than our hate. And his holiness is greater than our sin. And so God remembered his oath. It's interesting, the word Zechariah means Yahweh remembers, and Elizabeth means his oath. God remembers his oath. God made a promise to humanity that he would send his son, and the nations would be blessed through him. That in the Savior, we would receive the favor of God. Why me? Why not? I remember a time when I had lost faith and hope. Um, I was uh, made the decision to go to seminary, and I had quit my job. My wife and I had worked together, and I had some real estate holdings, and I had counted on them to help as I went through seminary training. Well, the real estate market bottomed out, and I discovered that my assets quickly became liabilities. And a particular property was a cash drain on me. And so every month there was time writing that check. And so I'm spending income, not making as much, and going down and down and down. Well, I had a partner, and it was responsibility the way we worked out things, and he was paying uh, the lion's share, even for a while, all of them. And then my partner abandoned me. He left me contractually. And so now it was my responsibility to handle this underwater property. And I tried and tried with the mortgage company, tried every way I could to figure out how to get out of this property. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. But hope at some point turned into despair. And despair finally turned into resignation. But along the way, finally, help came. I two good friends, Scott, John, and Steve Bouchard. They're great, great real estate developers and they love Christ. And they're my friends. They're experts in real estate. Everything I was not, they are. All the money I didn't have for investing, they did. And what they had was love for me. And so they came alongside me and they looked at the situation and they said, here's what we need to do. And they worked with me and they worked with the company and they, they created opportunities that I could not see. See, they had uh, the resources, but they also had the love. And so resignation slowly turned back to despair, which slowly turned back to hope. See, the biggest problem or challenge with Christmas is not that the promises are true, rather that the promises are for you. Christ is for everybody else, but can he really work into my life? But Jesus Christ has come into the world, sending God sending his son to make you a son or a daughter. See, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a slave of the spirit of sonship. The gospel 
a message of favor. It's a message of blessing and joy and inheritance and promises. For 2 Corinthians 1 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so how do we make this gift of the gospel ours? We must acknowledge Him. The button is beeping. The message is coming. I must open it. I must read it. And I must embrace it. Christ did not come to save the world. He came to save you. We must embrace it. Then we must believe it. And then we must act on it. If the gospel doesn't change our, our life, it doesn't change who we are, then we haven't heard the gospel at all. The promises are not only true, the promises are for you. This brings me to my final point. What did Zechariah do at the end of this? He heard the message. He doubted it. He needed time to ponder the promises. And so what did God do? He gave Zechariah a timeout. He gave him the inability to speak. Looking from the text, it looks like he gave him the inability to hear as well. If you look at that section in the end where God's supposed to call him and they're motioning of what to call the child. He couldn't speak. He couldn't hear. He was in silence. He was in quiet. And there is another person in the story, isn't there? Elizabeth. Who hears the news that she as an old lady will conceive one who is to be the prophet. And what does Elizabeth do? It doesn't look like she did a lot of fanfare, did it? Not sure she threw a party. Indeed, she went into seclusion for five months. Now, usually you go into seclusion when there's shame, right? But there was no shame. Elizabeth clearly said that God has taken away my reproach. I think Elizabeth went into hiding with that she needed to ponder these promises. She needed to think about them so that what was out there could come in here. You know, we live in a busy world, my friends. What I'm sharing with you should be life-changing. Christ does not offer an invitation. He offers a summons. Come, you are accepted because of the gospel. I want you to be my child. The promises are for you. But the service will be over, and you'll go outside, and we'll go about our daily business. And if we're not careful, the message of Christmas will recede into the dark come January, December 26th. And so my challenge for you is, has this message moved from out there to in here to right here? Have I pondered his promises? Do I actually dare to go into a place of quiet and talk to God? Like Zechariah, there's no way he'd answer me. Really? Why not? The gracious of God that seeks you. But unless you seek him, unless you seek the letter of God's word, because nothing's interesting if you're not interested. And so I bring the message of the gospel to you. The hope of the world is the hope for you. Look to Jesus. He is your greatest hope revealed and your promises fulfilled. And my prayer for you is this Christmas that you would appropriate what God has done for you into your heart. And you would rejoice in the good news God has sent to save you. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we're so like Zechariah. Going about the motions, maybe we're religious, maybe we're not. 
but not expecting that he would answer, not expecting that the promises for the world would really be promises for me. Lord, give us the courage to cast off our fears. Give us the hope to look more intently. Give us the quiet to ask you personally. I pray that you would show us yourself in a way that we have never seen before. All of this we pray in Christ's name.